following program is intended for mature audiences. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Let's talk football. Let's talk football. One constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. Been a lot of complaints already. Bad language, smoking grass. 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. intentional foul welcome into the post divisional round playoff edition in the nfl the four teams are left to go to the super bowl we'll talk some nfl on this edition we'll touch on some college football kind of even though the ncaa didn't do a really good job of marketing what we're supposed to be talking about um college hoops some nba and a little bit of a wild late day in major league baseball i'll say so we will touch on all those, Josh, Dan, up? with you. As always, thank you for subscribing, downloading, listening, however you get us. How often you get us, we appreciate you being here. And uh, thanks for the homework assignment. We'll wrap up with that as well. A very interesting question for uh, both of us, which I will admit right off the bat was a little bit more struggle uh, than I anticipated it to be. It was for me, too, in, in narrowing it down, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. I had coming up. I had trouble coming up with guys uh, because I didn't really care about anybody that I came up with. I'm like, well, that's well, not going to be kinda, interesting enough. That's a little bit of my narrowing it down, too. It was like... It's very yeah, personal we'll, we'll, as well. Yeah, right. we'll get to it at the right. end. So that's a little tease at the end, but we will do a little bit of a conversation starter um, at the end. But I guess we can start with the most recent NFL game, and that was last night. In Green Bay, Packers play their final home game of the season against the Seahawks. And Green Bay now one win away from a Super Bowl berth. And they got to go through San Francisco. Um, build a lead, hang on for dear life, and let everybody sweat it out. That's basically what it is. I wouldn't cut like people say that they win ugly. I'm not going to say that this was an ugly win like some of the others. No, I would agree with that. Um, I think they thoroughly dominated in the first half, and they had a nice touchdown drive after Seattle scored right out of the gate in the second half. But after that, things we kind of, there was a kind of a clock management, see what we can do, and then couldn't do anything, and then couldn't stop them. I would say the first 35, 38 minutes of the game was probably the best they played all year. I would agree with that. I mean, they really were kicking Seattle's ass, dominating in all facets. Um, I mean, it, it, that Seattle team, you even texted me, like they were just so banged up by the end there. that The they, backups were hurt. Yeah, they were hanging on by a thread, yeah. but and you give them credit for fighting. But, sure. yeah, the Packers played really well. I thought it probably Rodgers' best game of the year. He had a couple throws late that were that were dimes. Yep. Um, Devontae Adams stepped up, had a monster game. I, was it the most... Receiving yards in team history in the playoffs, I Correct. think. Yep. Okay, 160. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody is is real surprised by the outcome. I think there were some things that went on during the game that might have been a little surprising, but I don't think the outcome was surprising. No, um, I mean that that fumble non fumble in the first half was a little surprising. Yeah, what, I, what a what a strange. Uh, I mean, I tried to explain that to some people, right? Because. I mean, the ball's coming out, 
they 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 are not in disagreement that that it's a fumble, but the fact that a Packer and a Seahawk reached for it at the same time before they lost view of it, so they can't tell before they lose sight who has it, even though after they dig and and get everybody off the pile, a Packer comes away well, with it. Weren't there like two Packers? There were. Yes. You can't prove the fact that when the ball disappeared, it was in either one of their hands. So since you can't prove it, it stays with the Seahawks. Yeah. I just didn't I didn't like that. And that's, that's the first really... time also, and this was a call that went towards Green Bay, I've never heard of grabbing the helmet opening. Yeah, right? That was a weird one too. I never, I mean, from the look of it on the sideline, the way his helmet came off and the way he reached over the top, I thought it was a in, face In pass. real time for sure. And yes. then they showed the replay, and it's like, well, he grabbed the back of the helmet and ripped that off, and it seemed like the refs had to kind of cover their asses. He almost, like, palmed his right. head, basically, yes. and just, he probably had so off. much stickum on his gloves That's that it just, true too. you know, when he pulled back, it came with it. But So, I again, the refereeing, you know, it's bad. It's been bad all year. It's been a thing all year. I mean, there were, and here's another thing. I, I haven't checked. How many holding calls were there? On either team. It didn't seem like there were many. No. And there are other times where there's probably 10 or 12 called during a game. Yeah. But they were letting everything go. And there were specifically times when I saw Packers rushing in and the guys are just flailing their arms trying to get by. And the guys are having them either hooked or up under their pads going the other way. It's like where? Well, I I guess I'm okay with it if it's consistent. Oh, yeah. That's all I ask for. Nothing if you're consistently yep. shitty, just that's, stay that way. Then but, that's, then you know, you know don't, don't, don't do what we see in these high school games where one half they call one thing and the other half they don't call nothing. So, no. So, I. The late game issues thing has been a problem, and I guess that's the only thing that. Because, it, and, and it's not offense or defense, it's both. The offense stops moving the ball, and then the defense is out on the field more, and they start getting run on and passed on. Yeah. So I, I'd like it, if it's going to be a track meet and the offense can keep up, great. If the defense can hold them and the offense has trouble moving the ball, okay. But it seems to be both happening in unison. What do you attribute the offensive struggles to? I mean, is it is it simply play calling is it is know. it lack of aggressiveness is it is it maybe a little bit of loss of focus on some of these guys i mean i don't know that it's loss of focus because i think if anybody's going to tell you that they don't want to put up absolutely the most points possible on a team they're lying i think everybody would love to blow out anybody i don't think they'll say well we're comfortable scoring 28 and then that'll be it um you know, I, I just think there's a little lack of aggression there because you start seeing more screen passes. You start seeing more, you know, little outs towards the sidelines. There's not a whole lot of downfield passing. And I, I just think that when you stop doing those things and being aggressive, it just it just opens you up. You know, the clock stops a lot when you can't hit on those outs specifically, so you you run, you know, three plays in a matter of 12 seconds, and then you put the ball right in the right in the opponent's hands. Right. So, I, I mean, I'd, I'd rather you take a chance, honestly, and try to go downfield. But I, I'm not a play caller. I just think sometimes that the choices that are made are not good ones. Well, I mean, like I said, it wasn't an outcome that I was, you know, too uh, scratching my head about. Um you know, at pretty much every 
at least offensively, at every skill position, probably defensively as well. I just thought the Packers had better players. I mean, Marshawn Lynch is a shell of himself. I know he scored two touchdowns, but he looked old and slow. And he, I mean, he looked like a guy that three weeks ago was retired, which is what he was. Right. Um, you know, Metcalf and Lockett, those guys are nice, but Devontae Adams is better than both of those guys. Right now, yes, but Metcalf's right a rookie, and I yeah. think... He's got a great future, but, but today, today right it's, now, it's, it's not close. It's Adams' world. And at the tight end position, I mean, whatever Packer fans think of Jimmy Graham, he is better than whatever the hell Seattle was trotting out there. I don't even know who their That guy was, was dropping balls all over the place. Um, now, speaking of that, and it was kind of um, an, an epidemic all weekend in a lot of these games was these dropped passes that drop pass on that fourth quarter drive for Seattle. When they had the ball back down five with about four and a half to go, I think. And they, they get a long first down pass and they get up to the line and they throw another one. And the kid is wide open and and drops it. And then I think the next play was an incompletion. Then the next play was a sack and they had to punt. Yep. But it's like, man, as, as outgunned as Seattle was, and as well as the Packers played for, like I said, the first 35, 38 minutes, if that kid catches that pass and they're first and 10 under four in Packer territory, you never know, the, right? The, I mean, like, the Packers probably got to get the ball back yeah. and are down. Because they hadn't been able to stop Seattle. No. I mean, there's no, there's no reason to believe that Seattle wouldn't have scored a touchdown the way the game was going. Right. And maybe Aaron Rodgers comes down and leads them to a field goal and they win. I don't know. Um, but... That's just one of those kind of what ifs in this Packer Seahawks totally rivalry yep. that you're going to look at and go, oh man, what if he'd have caught that one? Mm-hmm. That would have been interesting. But Russell Wilson, and I don't want to dwell on this too much because you know you and I, neither one of us are bunch of Russell Wilson fans. I respect him as a as a really really good quarterback. I do. Um, it's just the other parts of him that I'm, I'm not nuts about. But I I can't remember who uh, said this or where I read this today, but. They kind of were comparing this version of Russell Wilson like the last three or four years kind of to like late 80s Elway in the sense of he's by far the best player they have on the team. It's not even close. No. And he really doesn't have much help at the no. skill positions. Um, and like those Bronco teams, they just found ways to win. And Elway at the end of games back in those days for people that don't remember or are too young – I mean, in the late 80s, he was legendary for leading these these full-length touchdown drives under two minutes. I mean, the one in the 86 AFC title game against Cleveland, the drive, mm-hmm. you know, was the most famous one. Russell Wilson, I mean, he hasn't had that kind of, like, dramatic one like that, but the Seahawks are always in these weird close games, and it seems like they're always behind at some point in the game. And he does bring them back. And even yesterday, like like I said, I mean, that kid catches that touchdown and they take the lead in that game and win it. I mean, could you imagine today? As bad as it was today, everybody kissing Rodgers' ass. Oh, it'd be. It would have probably been worse. It'd be slurping. Ugh. It would total be, yes. Um, but I'm giving him, I'm not taking anything away from him. I'm giving him credit comparing him to Elway because Elway for me is is a top five guy. Well, when, when, when you see all the injuries that they've had to deal with all season, they got a rookie running back, like you said. Their receivers, you know, Metcalf and Lockett. Metcalf's a rookie. Lockett's, you know, okay, the tight end position is garbage. The offensive line is garbage yes. because the, cause the Packers front seven. They didn't need any help going against it. 
a garbage line. The Packers' front seven is pretty good on its own. Yeah. So the fact that Wilson, his first half was abysmal. Yeah. I mean, even when he stood in the pocket, he was overthrowing. He was throwing off to the side, throwing at guys' feet. I mean, it was bad. It wasn't until the second half when, you know, for some reason or another, and I don't know how you can you can scheme this or or plan it, when he was able to see the openings in the pocket and scoot out in front of or move to the side when somebody would over-pursue, he's a lot like Rodgers in the fact that he is much better passing on the move. Oh, 100%. Like, you don't want him standing nope. in the pocket delivering the ball. I agree. You want him getting out of there. And I wonder if that is a little bit of a function of his size, you know, with him being... Uh, one of the shorter quarterbacks. Right. I mean, him being able to get out into space get where you can really so I can see you can something. see everything, right. and you don't have those trees in front of you. But no, I agree, man. He, both him and Rogers, both. I mean, that's that's kind of their bread and butter is out on the move. So I mean, when you look at what they had, and even Seattle's defense, and it not how, what it used to be. How quickly that got away from them mm-hmm. on how good that defense was. Yeah, and and what a shell of itself it is. But you see, like you mentioned, the lack of skill at the skill positions, and you look at what Seattle was able to do this year and how far they were able to get. I mean, you really can. And as much as it pains me, you really can't give too many other people credit on that team than Russell Wilson. Yeah, I mean he's. Basically all they have. And, I, you know, I texted our buddy Joe. I said after the game, I just wrote one line. I said, that guy is maddening to play against. Oh, I, I believe that. absolutely yeah. maddening. Whether you can, you can dial up the perfect defensive scheme, have somebody shadow him or whatever, it seems like he will always at some point get the better of you. Well, what did you text me during the game? What what did I text? It was something about is this how the rest of us feel against Aaron Rodgers? And I said, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yes. You know when, be, when you when you when you have to constantly hear about how great this guy yes. is, and then he plays against your team, and they ju- and he just keeps finding a way to pull it out of his ass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's frustrating. Yeah. It is, and and not only that, then you have. The, the national media all jumping on and how great yeah. and whatever. And so not only do you have to deal with it in state, you have to deal with it on a national level. And it's and it's a rival. I mean, whether Packer fans want to admit it or not, Completely. the Seahawks are a rival. Yes, it is. I mean, that is your non-division NFC rival. Completely. The 49ers probably a close second with the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. But it's, right now it's it's yep. Seattle. And, yeah, man, it's, it's a tough pill to swallow when they beat you. So, uh, credit, I mean – Obviously, credit to him. If he ever gets on a loaded team, I mean, that that would be impressive, but it's just a shame they can't. I'm fine with it, but it's a shame for him that they can't get him any offensive help. Well, they got to they gotta have a couple of good drafts, you know? Yeah. I mean, they got to they they draft some the, line. They keep making the playoffs. I know. They're not in a good position. You're going to have to go out and, and make smart signings. Yeah. You know? But, okay, so... Now it's on to the – do you want to go back over the some of the uh, stuff on Saturday too? Vikings and Niners, I watched that game. Obviously, I've a, I'm married to a Vikings fan. And this was really hard because I know you have different feelings about San Francisco. And, I, I mean, I get the revenge game factor, but you got absolutely piss-pounded in San Francisco at the end of November. I mean, it was, it was not even – it was a runaway win. For the 49ers. So to me, I don't want to go there again. No matter how you think you can watch game film and do things better and play better and whatever. And yeah, they haven't won anything. So I didn't want them to win. On the same token, 
I really didn't want to see the Vikings again, home game or no, for a third time. Yeah. So that was that that was a very conflicting game for me because I don't want to see either of these teams, even though you got to go through one of them to get to the Super Bowl. Well, the Vikings really underwhelmed, kind of as the Vikings are wont to do in their history of <laughs> playoff failures. Um, I mean, the, the, it really, I, I knew going into that game, it was really going to boil down to the Viking offensive line against the 49er defensive line. Who was going to be able to win that battle if the Vikings could and could run the ball even semi-effectively with Cook? They had a chance. If they couldn't, they didn't have a chance. And the 49ers defense dominated all day. I think Delvin Cook had less than 20 yards rushing on the day. I mean, it was one of those things where, on one hand, you could say they abandoned the run because I think Cook only had like 10, 12 carries. It wasn't a boatload. But the problem was they kept having third and long, third and long, third and long. They, they would have to throw on. And, and the Niners and, would just tee off. Yeah, they were teeing off, and, you know, everybody's going to point to Kirk Cousins, but there's nothing Kirk Cousins could have done in that game. Um, they were just outmatched and outplayed. I think that it's, I mean, I don't know that it would have changed the outcome a little bit. Five and a half days off on a, on a playoff week for the Vikings and yep. have to travel halfway across the country, that's rough. Mm-hmm. That's rough. Now you could say, well, that's why you're the sixth seed. But... You know, I think the NFL's got to look at that, and that that game could have been played as the night game. That's what I think. If you if if, no, if the six seed and the one seed reversed. are playing on sa- yes. on Saturday, that's fine. But yep. that should have been the late game. Um, yeah, because the East Coast would still have been a three. It would have been three the same. Three thirty kick. It would yeah, it would have been the same for the East Coast team. So, I, I, like I said, I don't think that probably would have affected the outcome, but. Um, I don't know. There, there's not a lot to say about that. The 49ers pretty much just kicked their ass. Well, and I saw, and I said after the Packer game immediately, like, this is one of those, okay, you won, you move on, you look at the next opponent, and having the having seen what the 49ers front seven did, and the Vikings, or the, the Packers offensive line is considerably, considerably better yes. than Minnesota's. Yes. The tight ends block a little bit better for the most part, but still that 49ers front, I mean, you don't even need the linebackers there. Well, and they're getting healthier. Yeah. They just got a couple guys back, so, so I, I'm I, you know, and now the Packers got to heal off the flu. I mean, <laughs> frick, Blaga getting he was still active, but he didn't play, and he got this Veldhier story is amazing to me. I don't know this one. What is this? This guy retired in the off season. Who are we talking about? Jared Veldhier, okay. who, who started at right tackle. Okay, he retired. He he went to the first game of the season as a fan, Packers-Bears. Okay. He was at the game. Uh-huh. He was just at the game watching. He decides to unretire. A couple of weeks into the season, he's signed. He gets waived. Packers pick him up a couple of weeks ago. Boom, he's starting. Wow. I mean, yeah. and, and he did a really good job thrown into a playoff mix. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for a guy that started out the first half of the season not even playing football. <laughs> That's pretty funny. And just come back in and then get picked up by Goody and then all of a sudden have him because the backup, uh, Alex Light, was going to go. He couldn't play because he was sick. So now you got this guy who's like, okay, I guess. Have fun with <laughs> the Seahawks front right? and yeah, whatever. Uh-huh. But he played He played pretty well. Yeah. So. yeah. Well, you didn't hear anything negative about him. No. So. Nope. So I I'll be curious to I mean obviously this I'll be really curious to see whether this keeps sweeping through the Packers locker room. Yeah. For this for 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 this week. 
Who else is going to get yeah, sick? Yeah, you would think in a week it would run its course, but, but you never it's know. Going, it's been going on a couple weeks. Yeah, you never know. Two, two or three. So, um, yeah, as far as the Packers and the Niners, I'd, I mean, I was surprised that Green Bay didn't get the ball to Jones out of the backfield more. You know, he was a pretty integral part, but I guess they didn't have to. Adams was open uh, for, for, for a lot of the time. I think that maybe you're going to get a lot more Jones and Williams releasing when when they stay in to maybe chip some of these guys, and, and they might be a little bit more involved with, with, with San Francisco. You might not see a lot of more downfield passing because Rodgers might not have the time. True. Might, might have to get it out of there quick. So uh, the, the, the running backs catching the ball generally equal a, a success to the offense, provided it's not a little bubble screen to each side, which drives me fucking nuts. Um, that's what I think Green Bay is going to need to do to win. I mean, obviously, it starts up front. Got to give time. Yeah. Got to give time. Well, I think for the Niners, I'm doubling Devontae Adams. I am making... Alan Lazard and Geronimo Allison and Jimmy Graham and Aaron Jones beat me. I am not allowing uh, Devontae Adams to get over the top on me for big plays in uh, third and long situations like the Packers are want to do. Um, you know, Aaron Jones has had a great year. Um, this is the biggest game of his life on Sunday. I am going to make that guy show me that he ain't a fluke. I'm putting it on. If I'm the 49er defense, I'm saying, if we're going to take one guy away, we're taking away Devontae Adams. We can't take away the quarterback. He's too good. We're taking away Devontae Adams. It's the old Belichick thing. I take away what you do best and make everybody else. If you or if if Jimmy Graham can catch eight balls for 90 yards and a touchdown and you beat me, you beat me. That's I'll live with that. Um, I think the Packers' defense is going to have some opportunities to create some turnovers in this game. Okay. Uh, from watching Garoppolo in that Viking game, he had the real bad one that uh, Kendricks picked off mm-hmm. in the flat, kind of or kind of an underneath throw. He he left a couple out there that the Vikings didn't intercept that very well could have been intercepted, and he's kind of been doing that in some of the games I've seen from the 49ers. He will leave the ball out there to be intercepted. It's up to. King and Alexander and Savage and these guys to make the play. I think, um, you know, kind of like what what was it? Tremont Williams said the first week we want to make Kirk Cousins be a quarterback. Mm-hmm. I think they think the same thing with the Niners. If the Niners can line up with that three-headed monster at running back and smash it at you, and if they can get out those quick ones to George Kittle, you're done. You have no you have no shot. But if you can stop that running game and make Garoppolo have to throw to his receivers, I mean. They're talking about Debo Samuel the other day and how big of a man he is going to... Who the hell's Debo Samuel? Not me. I'm making that guy have the game of his life. That's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm, I, yeah. Focus on stopping the run because that crushed them last time. They were gashed. Yes. And they got three good, solid backs. And George, Nobody great, and but George good. Kittle is the best tight end in the league. Mm-hmm. So, right now, tight and end... he can catch a two-yarder and make it a 22-yarder because he's a tank. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. And he's and, just... He's just he he ain't all there. He's not. Oh, no. He's he's not. Okay. Like I've seen a couple interviews with that guy. I don't know what kind of corn he's been eating in Iowa, but wow. All he, right. He ain't all there. Okay. Um. Most important game of Rogers' career, probably right now, because I think I it is. I don't know how many more important ones he's going to have. I mean, I just think in general, overall, I think it is. 
Okay. Uh, I mean, you know, you could say the first Super Bowl because it's a Super Bowl. That's fine. I think it's. I think anybody can win one. Anybody can get to a Super Bowl. Anybody can win a Super Bowl. We've seen quarterbacks that aren't very good. Um, to get to a second Super Bowl would be very, very big for his legacy. And obviously to win a second one puts him in a whole another category. It, it distances you from the Dilfers and the Brad Johnsons and, and, and the people of that ilk. It gets you up into that, you know, two or more. I think there's only like 11 quarterbacks or something like that that have ever won two or more. It kind of just puts you in a different stratosphere. Um, so I think that, as a legacy game for Rodgers, it's it's mammoth. I think that this, and I said this to you a couple of weeks ago, and I know you didn't really agree with me. <laughs> I I think this is his last best chance. I think the way this season has gone for the Packers, everything has fallen right for them. They won all the close games that they were in. They didn't blow any games. Um, they had a guy in Aaron Jones had a career year. Rodgers had a solid year, but didn't have to be great. They had they improved their defense substantially, and they were basically injury free. And I think the last thing that really is in their favor, uh, maybe a little bit more so than the other three teams left, the lack of a great team in the NFL this year. There is no team that I think in ten years you're going to look back on and be like, that team was awesome. Oh no, that just doesn't exist this year. No. So, I mean, if the 49ers end up winning the the whole thing with three losses and go, what, like 18-3 and or 17-3 and whatever, they'll be up there in terms of, you know, wins. But, I mean, what is it going to be, the fifth best 49er team ever? I think You know what I mean? Like, even if the Packers win, it's the the ninth best Packer team ever. I mean, like... I think if people would look back on the 49ers, it would be the most surprising 49er team to them. For sure. Really? They yeah. Did that well? Yeah. I guess I forgot about that. Correct. You know, and then you'd start reliving the games, and they're like, okay, all right, yeah, maybe they were good. No, I'm, but... not, I'm not saying that if the Titans win the Super Bowl that the Titan fans aren't going to remember it forever. Well, I get that. I'm talking about the collective football yep. community. It's like, well, you know, uh, okay, yeah. I think I, I think I definitely agree with you now in terms of uh, of the Packers and getting to the Super Bowl because if you hear – any of the players, it's not necessarily about being on the best team. It's about what all goes right and what all doesn't go mm-hmm. wrong. Yeah. And you just listed off a couple of key things about being injury-free, even though the year that the Packers beat the Steelers, they missed so many guys and had so many guys on IR, and they just had a lot of good depth yeah, and yeah. really good depth that yep. year. Um, but, you know, the, the the common phrase that people say is you got to catch lightning in a bottle. Yeah. And I think you can equate that to everything that you just listed off. The team the following year in 2011 was better than the team in 2010. It wasn't even close. No. Wasn't even close. But the team in 2010 got hot. Yes. And rolled that to a title. And the team in 2011 got complacent and got knocked out in the first playoff game. So, you, you know, everybody that's ever won a title will tell you you got to be lucky, too. Mm-hmm. And... Right now, the Packers are they're rolling a good wave. They really are. All right. You want to move on to the AFC games? Uh, yeah, we can hit on them quickly. I, I, mean, mean, I didn't watch any of the Titans and the Ravens. We were doing other stuff. But, I mean, the, the, the only thing that, that came out of there was, to me, listening to the, to the Titans running back. And, yeah. And, and, and just how impressive that, that ground game was. Yeah, I mean, they pounded them. Um, Tannehill threw 14 times for 88 yards and won. Didn't need won, it. won by two scores. Didn't need it. 
Um, you know, and then, of course, you're going to hear, is, is Lamar Jackson overrated? Lamar Jackson was fine. He had a bunch of guys drop passes for him. They got behind. I mean, the one thing you can't do against the Titans is get behind because um, they're just going to run it down your throat. And, unfortunately, for Baltimore, they did, and that was that was kind of the story. Texans and the Chiefs, you you had, nuts. you had missed the first part of the game, and I had texted you, I'm like, are you watching this? It's already, you know, 14 nothing, and then they scooped up a, a punt block return, and it was 21, uh, 21 points in the first quarter, and it was 24 nothing, and then the Chiefs came back and put up another 21 points, I think, in the second or third quarter, and, and you and I were both texting about the, about the punt call. It's the worst call of the year. And I, and I told you my philosophy because what I don't like is teams that aren't aggressive. I don't mind the fact that you went for it. I really don't. The fact of the matter is the execution was so piss poor. The guy ran had one dude to beat, and he ran right at him. He didn't. All he needed to do was take a different angle to the outside, get to the sideline. He would have had a lot better chance. You didn't need to punt there, but I like the fact that we're not going to take a chance. We need to keep scoring. We need to put these guys away. Well, it was it was twenty one to nothing, and the Texans had the ball on like the Chief five, and it was fourth and one, and they didn't go for it. They kicked a field they goal, won. and they went up twenty four mm-hmm. to nothing. So you didn't have the guts to go for that, that. and pin them deep in their own territory yeah, up three fair. scores. Yep. You didn't want to do that. But then you're going to turn around like two possessions later. It's twenty four to seven. You have the ball on your own thirty. And you're going to fake, like, okay, so you get the first down on your own 38? Mm-hmm. Like, where's the upside in this? The only could be downside. And it backfired on him, and from that point on, it was over. Oh, I yeah. mean, it was just a bum rush by the that Chiefs. Was it. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. It's just one of those things where I'm not even sure if you say do it again, they wouldn't necessarily because I – I just didn't see any upside of the call. It yeah. wasn't like it wasn't like you were on their side of the field. Right. You were still twenty yards deep in your mm-hmm. own territory. That made no sense to me. Um, I just like the fact that that you wanted to keep the ball. You wanted to increase your chances of go scoring, uh, go, go going down to score. I should say, but but you're right. the The fact that maybe you couldn't see what it didn't do and did for the other team. Maybe you should have weighed that a little bit more, I and guess. you're up 17. You're up three scores. Yeah. I don't know. It just seems no. silly. Um, five touchdowns for Mahomes. Kelsey's good, but I still think Kittle's better. Yeah, I would agree. I would um, agree. But Kelsey's awful damn yeah, good. Yeah, he is. I mean, I, I'd kill to have either one of those guys. So the AFC title game is now the, the, the Titans, who everybody predicted, and the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, for for the remainder of the playoffs, I am a Chiefs fan. I am rooting for the Chiefs to win the Super okay. Bowl. I would just like to see Andy Reid win one. Um, he's been the butt of a lot of jokes for yes. the last 20 years about just can't quite get over the hump. And he's a great coach, and he's, I mean, his coaching tree is as big as anybody's in football, and I would just like to see a guy like him get one so they kind of get that monkey off. Well, you back. were fairly critical yesterday about, about well, what, when they were down 24. Andy Reid does like to blow games, though. There's no doubt. <laughs> he's like he he's found a way to piss a lot of games away in his career, but I still think he's a great coach. He's one of the five best coaches in football, and um, it'd just be nice to All see right. him get that last, that last thing. I don't disagree with any of that. I think you listed off all good reasons for a team to win. I don't really have any great compelling reasons why I want the Titans to win. 
I just don't. Yeah. There's nothing there that excites me about no, them. No. There's I just mean, not. you can make the Derrick Henry is great, but I mean that it's not a it's not an exciting brand no, of football. It's not. It's not. So that I I, I guarantee you, know. you that uh, I think I think Fox has the game. I, I know yes, who they're yeah, yeah, I know they who they're rooting oh, for. Oh my god, absolutely. I mean, can you imagine they want a Chiefs Packers uh Super Bowl run rematch so in the hundredth year yes. of the NFL so How bad they could taste it. Good does that set up for them? Oh. You can roll doesn't out it almost kind of feel doesn't it kinda almost feel preordained? Yes. Little destiny. Yes. Well, little maybe I'm trying to jinx uh, it. Yes, you hopefully are. hopefully you, you jinxing the stop, shit out of it. Talking right now. <laughs> uh I didn't see the AFC uh moment where Bill Cower was um, I did. So I, I I saw. It better I, or, or, no, it was not as good as Jimmy's. Right. It was a little. Uh, I I think Cower was extremely uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. A couple times he said, "This doesn't seem right." It was very. It was very weird. Well, not to mention that the guy, the guy that comes in and he's announces enormous. you, he's a behemoth. Yes, he is. He is a behemoth. Yes. When you make Howie Long and Michael Strahan. Look like Door normal people, yes. and Jimmy Johnson looks like your seven-year-old nephew with just a crazy good head of hair. <laughs> That's how big that dude was. That guy was a monster. Yeah, he was. Yep. Yeah. I thought it was. I thought the Jimmy Johnson one was great. I thought it was I, too. I it was great. I, I, I got I a little dusty. Love the fact that he got emotional. Yeah. Uh, and 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 he got choked up. The fact that Aikman, look, his eyes looked all bloodshot while he was watching the monitor, just made me laugh. But there was there hey, was a rough night out in Green Bay. You know, <laughs> there was genuine. <laughs> appreciation and genuine feelings and emotion from Johnson. I thought that that was cool. It always bugged me that Jerry Jones got in first. That's fair. It just bugged me. Well, and now the the main thing that people are saying today off of that is that Johnson's going to get into the Hall of Fame and he's not even in the Cowboys Ring of Honor or something like that. I mean, think about it. If Jimmy Johnson isn't the coach... From what eight, like eighty nine to ninety three, and won those those first two Super Bowls, and then he said, "I don't up think them. I, I think Jerry Jones is looked at as one of the worst owners in the history of sports because I don't think he would have they wouldn't have got that third one. No, because that, he, that he team, set that up. That team was as has Just, been well documented was a mess. Yeah, and Jimmy Johnson was the guy that kept everything together, and that's why when he left, they had that one extra year where they were really good, and then it was done. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, good for both those guys. Uh, the Browns have hired the Vikings offensive coordinator, Kevin Stefanski. After he gets embarrassed on That's Divisional was. Saturday. <laughs> Maybe they're looking at him because he was, was he the runner-up last year for that Cleveland? I mean, he was in the Cleveland know. job, one of the finalists, and then they picked Kitchens. And they said, well, maybe we made a mistake. Maybe we should look at this guy again. Maybe that's who we want. I just don't know why. I mean, I get it. There's only 32 jobs. So if somebody's going to offer you the job, you kind of – it's almost impossible to turn that down, but I don't know why any first-year head coach, first-time head coach, would want to go to Cleveland. No, they. I mean, I, I think Schefter said it a couple of weeks ago. They just chew you up and spit you out there. I mean, it, chances are, if you're there three years, you're going to have a record of like seventeen and thirty something. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you're, you're just—it's a bunch of six and ten seasons. It's, but I mean, it's crap. If you look at that division and what happened this year, I mean, on paper, that was set up for the Browns. You don't think Pittsburgh's going to be better next year too? That—that's what I, I mean. mean. Like, like this was the your Bengals oppor- are going to get Joe Burrow. This was your opportunity this year to uh, do something, and you blew it, and totally. you blew it bad. Totally. So now you're going to get somebody else in as, as a first-time head coach. 
and you think you're going to be better than six and ten when everybody else is going to get better. Yeah, I, I I just, just don't a see that. missed opportunity. It really is. So um, I didn't catch the fact that the Bears hired a new offensive coordinator. Yeah, but he, you and I said a couple of weeks ago. Does that really matter well, if your head coach is calling the plays? I don't know. This guy apparently has been around for a while. He was the OC for the Bengals for a couple of years, for the Dolphins for a couple of years. I guess in uh, in each of the years that he was there, their scoring increased. I mean, they were still shitty teams. I don't know what that means. Um, but I don't know. Whatever. We'll see. I, I don't get too excited about coordinator hires um, that I've never heard of before. Sure. If it was a name guy, uh, there was somebody... Um, that just got fired that I, I saw that they were interviewing as an OC that was a pretty big name. I can't remember who okay. it was, but obviously he didn't get the job. So, yeah, whatever. All right. Uh, NFC title game is, again, same time for the Packers at 540 in San Francisco, and then the AFC game is uh, a little bit earlier. Um, just an offshoot of that, we now have to carry at the radio station. We are mandated by the NFL to bail on the radio network. Hmm. We don't have Wayne and Larry anymore. We have to take the Westwood one feed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the so, Brewers, I, mean, I, I think the Brewers have to do that too, yeah. didn't they? I don't know. I don't remember. I, I, I don't remember ever maybe having the, to bail the, on them. I don't know. I don't know. But, yeah, but, that's but, weird. But they have a monster contract with Westwood one. Mm-hmm. Like TMJ and Milwaukee, because they're the flagship, and then the home market, I think, on Green Bay, which is WBAY, maybe. I think those are the two markets that get to keep. The network, everybody else. Grandfathered in, probably. Yeah, if you want it, you have to go to Westwood. Well, maybe you'll get Harlan. I think he does Westwood one stuff. So so. I'm I'm hoping he does the NFC game instead of the AFC because at least he's pretty good. Yeah. So, but we're going to get, even though I'm trying to warn people all week. I mean, let's face it, his dad ran the Packers. That's fine. So that's kind of helpful. All right, college football is tonight. You had no clue. I I made out the roster of things to talk about, and then I got home and I turned on the TV, and they're like, yeah, the game. And I'm like, oh, my God, that that game is tonight? Way to put it after a crazy NFL weekend, NCAA. Did we we touch on last week? Well, that's the thing. All these bowl games, you, you play probably 20 or so crap games, then you play the two playoffs, and then you play the New Year's Six and all the other top 20 teams that that match up and then you wait two weeks for everything to be done and then you play the championship the championship should come as the last game right before the divisional round of the playoffs yes and everything else should be played before that yes so that college football ends and then you 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 can avoid wild card weekend that's fine if you want to but that yeah, I, college I, football is supposed to end either on January first, like it always did for like a hundred years, That's right. or ended on like a couple of days after that. Shouldn't end on freaking halfway through the no. month. No, it's just stupid. No, but, I, 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 I mean don't it's understand. all about some stupid nerd algorithm with a the, with TV ratings and some bullshit that I, I guarantee somebody sold to an executive. But like, I'm not watching that game, and I don't care. I don't really care. I'll probably flip it on, but it doesn't matter to me who wins. No, no interest. Um, Clemson, I guess, has um, scored the the most points and has allowed the or has allowed the fewest points and second fewest yards. LSU has beaten ten, six top ten teams hmm. when they matched up. That's a pretty good schedule. Oh yeah. And now the and Clemson no, notoriously doesn't play anybody. 
They Their first top 10 team they played was Ohio State two weeks ago. Well, that was it. Yeah, unfortunately, they can't control that the rest of the ACC no, sucks. I, you know? I understand that, but, I mean, if you want some competition to be taken seriously, you schedule a non-conference game, you know, 10 years in advance like everybody does, and you just hope that somebody's any good. Yeah. But that's that's all you can hope for. So it, it doesn't matter to me who wins. Um, I, I forgot about college football after the Rose Bowl. <laughs> right. I really did. So we can move on to college hoops. Another road win. Yeah. For Wisconsin against a top 25 team. Well, I'll, that's after you gack one at home. Yeah. But yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll get into my college basketball rant okay. here in a few minutes. But yeah, the Badgers 10 and 6, 3 and 2 in the Big Ten. Um, lose one at home early in the week to Illinois, 71 70, and a game they totally. Should have won. Was with um, Illinois and the Badgers this year, apparently. I don't know. They, multiple sports. They hadn't beaten Illinois 15. Uh, since 2001. 15 straight meetings. That was a little bit of a surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, but Illinois, at the end of the game, got hot, made some threes, and won the game. Then the Badgers turn around on Saturday afternoon and go to Penn State, who, if they're the 20th best team in America, Jesus Christ. <laughs> that no. team didn't score a point Seven and a half minutes. Seven and a half minutes yep. to start the game. Yep, we were watching that. I was like, it, that it, is pathetic. My mom came over. Have they scored yet? Don't give nope. me how good the defense is. You should be able to throw one over your head for seven and a half minutes and make one of them. And what did you say about Penn State? Football school. Yep. They don't care about their basketball team. They're in the top 25. Did you see how empty that place Nobody was? Nobody there. There's nobody there. Nope. How are you supposed to generate any sort of excitement about a team that is supposedly good? When nobody shows up. Yeah. Yeah. Ter- you, terrible You atmosphere. couldn't even give tickets away, apparently. So tomorrow night, Bucky's got a tough one at home yes. against Maryland, uh, top 20 team. And then Friday at Michigan State, mm-hmm. who is coming off getting thrashed yesterday. Purdue scores 39 on the road. We'll get into that, too. That's okay. part of my rant. All right. Um, so bracketology, the most recent one I could find was from uh, Friday uh, had the Badgers a seven seed, so obviously they will be at least that with the win over Penn State. Mm-hmm. Um, turn to Marquette, eleven and five, one and three Ooh. in the Big East. They had a terrible week. Yeah. Um, after their big win last Saturday at home against Villanova, they in typical Marquette style the last few years turn around and and piss down their leg at home and lose by one in overtime to Providence. <laughs> okay. Um, and then Saturday go on the road against the Seton Hall team, who frankly is just. Better than them, and they're a, they were a top ten preseason ranked team. Their best player was hurt for a couple of games. They lost, um, so they're they're kind of working their way back up. But they're good. I think, I think they said they have four seven footers on that team. Really? Yeah, they're huge, and uh, they they pretty much dominated Marquette the other day. So yeah, a bad week for the Golden Eagles. Um, Wednesday they got Xavier at home. Saturday they're at Georgetown. Uh, the same bracketology from Friday had Marquette also a seven seed. And I would just like to say, for me personally, two incredibly frustrating teams to watch this year. Incredibly both, frustrating. Both Wisconsin oh, and, and Marquette. Totally. Okay. Totally. I mean, just no consistency. And the reason for that, in people that have listened to this or listened to us. Do the high school games have heard me rant about this? It's just it's just too reliant on the three. It just is. Um, Marquette is one of the top three point shooting teams in the country. I think they're the top three point shooting team in the Big East, but that's because of Marcus Howard. So when Marcus Howard has a bad game like he did against Seton Hall, he scored some points, but he shot really poorly. Their percentage goes to nothing because the rest of the team can't collectively bring it back up. Because they're not good enough, but yet they're out there standing, shooting the toughest shot in the game, 
Same thing with the Badgers. When they make their shots, when Trice makes seven threes, he looks like a million bucks, but when he can't make one, all of a sudden everybody like like Bear the other night is screaming about him taking the last shot at the end of the <laughs> Illinois game. It's just there's no consistency with these guys because they're just, you know, they're not good enough players to just stand out and shoot three after three after three, which brings me to Purdue. So before Wisconsin played Illinois, Illinois played Purdue. And Purdue loses to Illinois by 26. Purdue goes three for 17 from three. Illinois goes seven for 19. It's a difference in the game. You're talking about eight shot difference, a totally different percentage. That's 12 points right there off the three-point line. Then yesterday, Purdue turns around and destroys Michigan State by 29. Michigan State goes two for 16 from three. It's almost like the game has been dumbed down to the point where I don't even really have to look at any other statistics anymore. If I want to just see who won the game, I just look at the three-point percentage because if both teams shoot 25 and one team makes 11 and the other makes four, that's 21 points. It's almost impossible to be able to overcome, especially in a college game where you just, you know, the game's shorter, you just don't have as much time to make up that kind of ground. But it's just kind of, it's kind of rendered college basketball into this puddle of mediocrity where, like, I mean, they've had so many teams this year in the top 10. Ohio, that have, that have lost and now they've all, they've fallen out. Ohio State is the number 11 ranked team in the country. They're 13th in the Big Ten. They were just number one. That makes no sense. Mm-hmm. But it just shows you that, um, Anybody can beat anybody now in this world of college basketball where the best players are no longer there. You've got a lot of guys that maybe 20 years ago would have been role players and bench guys that are now your quote-unquote stars. Um, it's it's just, it's not that, it's not a real pretty game to watch anymore. It, it just seems like it's it's very one-dimensional. Um, I mean, even, even the good schools, like North Carolina is like, Eight and eight. Like, what the hell? They had, like, the best recruiting class in the country, and I know they've had some injuries, but they have a top ten recruiting class every year. How are you eight and eight? I don't I don't get that. Why do you think the top 25 has lost, I'm not going to say its value, but its validity? Why do you think that all of a sudden now with such fluctuation, people say, well, yeah, you're ranked one, one week, and then you lose a couple of games, and now you're ranked 15th, so we don't take you as seriously. Why has that now been, yeah, I guess, devalued? Well, I think the problem is like the, the blue blood top powerhouse schools. They have so much turnover that like at the beginning of the year, the top four ranked teams were Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, and Michigan State. Well, they were ranked that way because of um, their recruiting classes and the guys they bring in. It's not so much who they bring back, it's who they bring in, but they're ranking a bunch of 18-year-olds who have never played a college game before. So it's like, you know, Duke loses at home to, I think it was like Austin P or something like that. Sounds right. Well, everybody on Austin P is 22 years old. Some of them are older than 22 right, years old. nobody these are, would think to leave. These are legitimate grown men that, yeah, the guys on Duke are way better athletes, but they're freaking kids. So you have these situations where the, the high-ranked Blue Bloods are so young, they get beat early, and you have the mid-majors, and like, like Butler right now is a top-five team. They're a number-one seed in bracketology. 
Butler. Indiana sucks. Now, how does that make sense? How's Butler good, but Indiana sucks? Um, but Butler keeps their guys. But you had brought this up that in, in on one of our road road trips in the last couple of weeks. It's amazing that in the state of Indiana, which for the last however many decades, basketball has been pretty damn good across the board, especially in Division One. I. I mean, Notre Dame has had its its mm-hmm. successes. Mm-hmm. Purdue has been really good for a while, and Indiana is one of the you know teams that when you say college basketball, you probably think of. Yes, but yet they're all getting outshadowed, overshadowed by Butler mm-hmm. because. Nobody leaves. Well, or they just even recruiting better. Look, Butler has had really good coaches over the last 20 years. I mean, Thad Mata was there for a while. Um, Brad Stevens was there for a while. Took him to two national championship games. Uh, Chris Holtman, who's at Ohio State, was there for a while. Now they got this this Jordan dude who I think came from UW-Milwaukee, who's a really good coach. Like, They've done a very good job of hiring good coaches, and in turn, they run good programs and they get good guys. But at the end of the day, and it's kind of one of the reasons why the Badgers have been able to have this 25-year run of really good teams. Like, not they've had, like, two great teams and maybe two crap teams, but everybody else has been competitive. And the reason for that is they've had good coaches, they have good programs, and they get kids that stay. So you can get a Frank Kaminsky who nobody wanted out of Illinois. You can bring him in, and he doesn't even have to play the first two years. He just practices. He's practicing against guys like John Luer, who end up playing in the NBA. Um, and then when it becomes his time, he's now 21 years old. So he's a little more mature and ready to do the things that, you want your star to do where, you know, when you're 18, you're kind of a punk. Let's face it, <laughs> especially if everybody's kissing your ass, right. which is the way these guys get treated from the time they're 12 until they go to college. So I don't know. It, it's it, it really has been devalued. It means nothing. I mean, if it, it's it's exciting when somebody says, oh, yeah, we're number one or what it means. It doesn't it means less now than it's ever meant before. OK, so. All right. We switch to the NBA Bucks come back off a three and one West Coast trip. The. Um, kind of gacked away that that one in San Antonio, but again, even then at oh, this shot level, out of their minds. Yeah, you, you you point to the lack of the Bucks shooting, and then the shooting of the Spurs. It's the fourth of six games they've lost, where the opposing team has set a franchise record for threes. Then I'd say that's a pretty quality <laughs> loss. Uh, then they go to Golden State, Sacramento, and Portland, and they all win. And some of the stats that I mean, because I I generally only read you know a couple snippets of the game story and and look at the look at the box score. Middleton and Bledsoe's numbers have popped out a little bit in combination more than Giannis's. Giannis had a really bad game uh, the other night. Well, he had two in a row. He didn't play particularly well against Golden State, and he had a really poor game against the Kings. They they just did a really good job of frustrating him all night. Luckily, Middleton and Bledsoe went off. I think they both had 30 or close to 30. Uh, And then Giannis played much better in Portland. But, yeah, Middleton's kind of making a late all-star push. Um, it's unfortunate that Bledsoe missed as much time as he did because I think he'd be in the mix too. I mean, the Bucks are going to be five or more games ahead of the second-place team. Budenholzer is going to be the coach. Giannis is going to be the leading vote-getter. If there was ever a year for them to maybe get three guys, this would be the year. But with Bledsoe being out, I just don't think he'll 
he'll get enough love. But I, I think Middleton is going to be an all-star again. Um, he started out kind of slow, but he's picked it up a lot lately, which which is nice because we are officially in the dog days. You're going to run into that just a little bit. They yeah. got three games this year, uh, or, th- or this week rather, Tuesday night against the Knicks at the five serve. They got the Celtics at home on Thursday, and they go to Brooklyn on Saturday. Thursday night for me is a huge game. Um, so far this year for the Bucks, they're 0-1 against Boston, they're 0-1 against Miami, they're 0-1 against Philly. Those are the three teams that, in my mind, are going to pose the biggest threat in the playoffs. Indiana and Toronto, they're good teams, but the Bucks would beat them. These other three teams are 0-3. They need a win. And uh, against those top teams, probably just for their own psyche, if nothing else. But um, And it's also a home game. It's on Thursday night, TNT. Um, so that's that's one I'd like to see him get. But um, just a couple quick things to hit in the in the uh, sure. in the league. Did you see that Jimmy Butler uh, little skirmish with TJ Warren the other something night? about it? But I didn't read too much into it. I think Butler said some pretty pretty harsh things. I know that coming out of it. Yeah, Jimmy Butler, he, he's a Marquette guy, so I I got a little bit of love for him. But he he's one of those guys that he he's always wolfing. Mm-hmm. And it's always, to me, like, the guys that woof the most are usually the biggest pussies. You ever notice that? <laughs> you know, like, they really don't want any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, when they kind of got into this little skirmish the other day, it was kind of like one of the ultimate hold-me-backs. Like, I'm talking shit to you as I'm walking backwards sure. and some guy's standing between us type thing. Um, but, yeah, Jimmy Butler, that's kind of his game. It seems like every six or eight weeks he gets bored and tries to start something with somebody. Um so maybe, that, that was that was that was always kind of that's kind of humor, maybe he's so. concerned because he had his, didn't he opt out of his shoe deal or something and you now he's got something I think so going, yeah yeah probably yeah. okay Embiid um, Joel Embiid tore some ligaments in his in his hand he's going to be out six to eight weeks um, so that's, that's really long time to be yeah out. well and it it it's really bad timing for Philly because like right now they're in the sixth seed so they would start on the road in the first round and. He's also going to be out during the trade deadline. So it makes it a lot more difficult on how I'm building the team because, like, whoever I'm getting, I have no idea how they're going to mesh with Embiid mm-hmm. when he comes back. And, I mean, dude, this is a this guy's a monster. Like, eight weeks out, six weeks out, like, being in shape and all in the, your conditioning. And I don't know. Right. That's going to be a rough one. Um, what'd you make of the John Beeline? Slugs. Uh, Slugs, slugs. That's right. Yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't pay too much attention. I saw the headline and I went, "Up, oh, can't do that." Shouldn't say that. Well, it was funny watching the, the the talking heads around some of the channels because the ones that you would predict it would be outraged were outraged. Stephen A. Smith. Uh, yeah, no, actually, he was not. Okay, he was not. I I can't see he, his material he, because he, he's blocked me. He said uh, he said something to the effect of, "You've won nine games. You're lucky. I call you thugs. Something like that. <laughs> like I should call you worse, but." You know, yeah, kind of a much ado about nothing. All I mean, right. you know, people determine as a racist thing. It's like, well, Matthew Delvadova's in that locker room. He's white. And Kevin Love's in that locker room. He's white. Chetty Osmond's in that locker room. He's white. John Beeline's coached college basketball for like 50 years. I'm sure he's had plenty of black guys on his team. It's not like he's a racist guy. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, kind of much ado about nothing. And then another much ado about nothing was the Ken- Kevin Durant, Kendrick Perkins Twitter yeah, feud over I, the weekend. I didn't where, see a um, peep of that. Russell Westbrook went back to Oklahoma City, so they did a big tribute for him. Right. It was his first time okay. back. And Kendrick Perkins tweeted something about, I'm about to go on SportsCenter and talk about the, the best Thunder player of all time. 
and he was referring to Westbrook. And, of course, people got offended by that on Durant's behalf and called him out. <sighs> and uh, one thing led to another, and these guys were going back and forth. Uh, and, and at the end of the day, Perkins basically called him a coward for going to Golden State and winning those titles there. So uh, just another fun little NBA Twitter feud. you got to have a couple of those every year just for the, for the kids, I guess. I'm glad you like, <laughs> you like this stuff. I, I, I really don't. Uh, I just kind of think it's stupid humor, but whatever. <laughs> Do you want to lead with the Brewers now when we switch to baseball, or do you want to go with the stuff that just happened today? Well, there's only one thing for me really with the Brewers. I mean, they they signed Jed Jerko the other day, uh, another utility guy. Um, he was hurt he, last he was, year. He, he kind of falls in line with all the other guys that were hurt last year that they signed for nothing. We'll see. I mean, he's, two homers, he's, a buck, something. Yeah, I mean, he had a couple of solid years a couple of years ago with the Cardinals. I remember him being pretty good when yep. he was with St. Yep. Louis. But you know. We'll see. These guys get into their 30s and they start getting nicked up. Breaking down. Yeah. It, it's always a little worrisome, right. so we'll see. But, yeah, you know, this. Yeah, I was out to Ian. I was hearing this stuff via text message and whatever, and I'm like, wait a minute, what happened? But sign stealing, you know, the Astros have fired their manager um, or, or their, uh, well, they were, their, their GM. They were suspended first for a year. Okay, and then, then they were both fired. Yes, MLB suspended uh, Jeff Luno and A.J. Hinch. The general manager, manager, respectively. But then Houston said, "No, that's not good enough." Yeah, they canned him. Wow, canned him. Yeah, that's amazing. Which was really a shocking thing to me that they fired those guys. I mean, that's that's the hammer, big time. Yeah, big time. Because um, I was looking at it almost like a Sean Payton deal, right? With the Saints when yep. he had to sit out for the year, like, sure. okay, well, we screwed up. We still won the title, but we screwed up. And then, this guy's going to pay his penance, and then he'll be back. Because AJ Hinch is one of the better managers right. in baseball. And then, and I think they docked him first and second round picks as well. I mean, basically, yes, that's true. Basically, all you did with both of these guys is go, all right, go work at MLB Network for a year, and then go get hired next year when your band's over. That's pretty much all the Astros really did. But it was a hammer move. I, I was, I was surprised to see it, but. Um, it it leads one to wonder here in Brewer yes, land. That's right. In the land of Milwaukee. What does this mean for the whiz kid, David Stearns? Came from Houston. All of a sudden there's a vacancy there. I would think that this season I would be surprised if they made a quick move to hire a GM. Oh no. I would think that they would probably just promote somebody internally on an interim basis. But I would I would bet after the season they look long and hard for a new long-term general manager. And you got to think David Stearns, a guy that was a protege of Luno who came from that system, would be at the top of the list. How do you approach that if you're Mark Antanasio? You don't, I mean, do you try and cut that off at the pass right away? Or do you wait? Well, I could say, well, you don't pay the players. Why would you pay the GM? But um, boom. But... In reality, like I don't, I don't know enough about Stearns. I'm not sure where he's from. I don't know where his wife's from. Did they mm-hmm. like it in Houston? Um, is she from there? I don't, I don't know any of those particulars. Um, Houston is a better job. Oh yes, it's a bigger market for sure. You're gonna have more money to spend. It's a like a top five market. Yeah, yeah it's it's a, it's a way better job than Milwaukee, obviously, yeah. and that's coming from Brewer fans here. But um, I'd be surprised if he's not mentioned. Um, doesn't mean he's going to go. I don't know. But I, I certainly think Brewer fans need to prepare themselves to start hearing that rumor. Well, that's going to be really disappointing because if you, I mean, if you look at what's lining up this season and you go down that path 
and you've now basically got a bunch of short-term guys that you haven't paid that much that aren't going to be here very long, and then they all leave, and then your general manager flies, and now you're left with a new guy who is basically now well, with set to the task of rebuilding everything and, save for a couple of key positions. And that's a very good point to make because if you're Stearns, I got to think that if you're looking in terms of windows to win, you're in it right now because you have Yelich. Forget everybody else. You have two years left of Yelich being in Milwaukee. He ain't going to be in Milwaukee after that. Sorry, folks. See, he ain't going to be. So if you're Stearns and you play this year out and he's got a very little time left on his deal, why, why would I, you know, if there if there's an opportunity to advance myself, why wouldn't I take it? I, I it'd, be, it'd be hard. To, it'd be very, very hard for him to turn that down, I would think, because they wouldn't come in on the cheap. You know that. That's painting a pretty grim picture. But we'll see. For, I mean, for Brewers fans, I, I just, hope he doesn't leave. Just, but I mean, just following that path. No, as much as I bitch about the Brewers and the things that they do, Stearns has done a good job. I mean, oh, for sure, the, we've lived through a hell of a lot worse than this. Well, that's... Or I mean, not, not that this is bad. I'm saying, no. but like Sal Bando My... and and some of these other guys that they had in the '90s, Dean Taylor. I mean, give me Dean a break, Taylor. Jesus, good one, good one. Yeah. All right, let's uh, switch to a homework assignment that you gave me, and I, I, I know that yours is going to be better, so I will just get mine out of the way because this is how your mind works. Well, here's what I, I – Go ahead. I don't know where I heard this or thought of this the other day, but um, I wanted to do two people in sports or two people for a sport that if we had an hour to sit down and talk with anybody we wanted to, they had to be alive – it could be a player, a coach, a GM, an owner, a broadcaster, whatever. Just something affiliated with the sport. Two people. I gave you football and baseball. I took baseball and basketball. And uh, just kind of see who we would come up with and, and maybe why we would want to talk to those people. Mm-hmm. So go ahead and, and, and start it off. Well, I'll start with baseball. And my two are going to be industry and hometown connections. Obviously, I'd want to sit down and I just want to shoot the shit with Bob Uecker. That is one of the guys that I listened to during my early broadcast career. I still listen to him. I've met him a handful of times. I've never been able to have an actual conversation with the guy. So, I mean, sitting down to get an hour of his time would be essentially a dream come true, both personally and professionally. Um, I, I really have no stake in any player, coach, or owner uh, or front office guy. I, I just don't. I'm not as interested in that part of the industry. However, I would like to talk to, and I think maybe I could do it at some point when he comes home, is Terry Ryan Mm. from Janesville who ran the Twins for a lot of years on what was widely publicized as a handshake deal Mm -hmm. in Minnesota. He was working a lot of years without a contract. And I would just want to talk to him about a variety of things you know, how did he get from Janesville to there? What he thinks about minor league baseball now that the you know the Twins had, um, I think they didn't they have somebody didn't weren't the Snappers a Twins affiliate for like yeah, five, five yeah, minutes? Yeah, yeah, and and now it's the A's. I'd I'd like to hear his thoughts about that. I'd like to hear what he's doing now that he's not you know the general manager, even though he's still involved. I mean, that to me, being a Janesville guy, would be pretty cool to me. Um, and I told you when when you asked me, like, have you come up with your two guys yet? I said, 
No, but I could tell you who I don't want, and that would be Yadier Molina. In fact, oh, I, Jesus. I saw, even with an interpreter. Yadier Molina's saw, mother doesn't want to have an hour conversation with him. I saw somebody post on Twitter today about guys who probably will be likely available at the trade deadline if nothing happens from now until then. And Molina was on the list. What would and you I, do? Oh what, my what, what God! I was going to tweet out something about I would. I mean, I'm not a burn my jersey or team gear type of person. It would be really hard for me not to just mm. take my hat when I'm running down the interstate and just chuck it out the window. <laughs> it would be so hard. It really uh. would be. And he might be one of the first guys of any team that I would cheer for to actually boo consistently. <laughs> it, it really would. Uh, so Your boy. Yes. So for football, um, one is for historical value and, and getting context for where the team is now and really a guy who has um, kind of put the Packers where they are from where they were, and that's Ron Wolf. I mean, you know, free agency was just getting to be really big, and he made ultimately the biggest free agent splash in the history ever in, in the history of the NFL. Yeah. Getting Reggie White come, yeah. so I, you know, I'd want to talk to him. I'd want to talk to him about you know the the the, the Favre trade and what and and everything that that kind of led up to that. And then those years, I was thinking about it. I'm like. Maybe I should talk to Ted Thompson. Never mind, that would not be a good interview. You'd be the only one talking. Exactly. He'd just so, be mumbling. I mean, it would be fascinating to hear all his draft stuff because I'm a draft dork, but I don't think I'd get anything out of him, even if right. he he would say, all right, I'll, I'll give you an hour. Well, would you? Would you actually answer everything I wanted for an hour, or would you just go off the rails and talk about what you, what, what you wanted to? Mm-hmm. And, and my second one, just for pure entertainment purposes, because he's been on – all sides that you can possibly be in football, I'd want to talk to Gruden. I'd want to talk to him about being a broadcaster. I'd want to talk to him about coaching, getting, winning a Super Bowl, going to the booth, and now coming back in a team that has now left its area where it's made its history and now going to possibly one of the sports meccas coming up in Las Vegas. I mean, you know, like it or not, it's not a huge thing for people around here to think about, but that's a big deal. And he's been a lot of places, and he's just a character. I think he would be fun just to talk to. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, there's a reason somebody It'd doesn't. It would be a lively hour. Right. Yeah. There, I mean, there's a reason Kellyanne does an impression of him. Right. Because he's fun. Right. You know? So, I mean, as far as getting something out of somebody, I think he would be too fun to talk to because, honestly, I don't really. I, I looked around the league, former Packers, former executives, whatever. I, I just, there's not enough there that I would want to care about. Isn't it, isn't it crazy now in hindsight to think? I mean, it was crazy at the time, but it's almost more crazy now to think that in what was it, ninety two or ninety three, when the Packers signed Reggie White, like, like you said, that's the biggest free agent splash in the history of the league. Happened in Green Bay, right? Like, if that happened now in Green Bay, it would be super weird. But think about it. In context of like twenty five years ago, he's going where? It, it's almost inconceivable, mm-hmm. really. But God told him to do it. Yeah, well, how can he argue with that? God didn't tell him to wear that sleep apnea mask. Unfortunately, <laughs> my God, he'd be here. I mean, really, I don't. I don't mean that to to be a dick, but like, <laughs> I I really, as much as I am not a Packer fan, as I've stated a thousand times mm-hmm. on this podcast, I think it is really. Uh, unfortunate and we've all lost a little something that he's gone because I think having him around as as kind of a storyteller and an ambassador for not only the Packers but the league 
I think that they really miss him in a lot of ways. So, um, yeah. So those are my four. It's I mean it's it's not as glamorous and as sexy I'm sure as as as, as you oh, could come up with, no. but I mean it's it that would be very personal to yeah, me. Yeah, well that's cool. Um, I I stayed away a little bit from some of the local guys. I I thought about uh, I'll start with baseballs. Um, I thought about Uke, but you know I've listened to Uke for thirty five years. I feel right. like I've kind of heard most Pro- of the stories. Probably true. Um, uh, because I I'm a history guy and like, you know I wanna I wanna I want stories. I want to hear about what things were like back in the day, and, and I want to hear stories about great players from when, when we grew up or great players that our parents would tell us about. Um, so I stayed away from you. I, I stayed away from any any real star modern players. I just didn't, you know, like, I, I don't know, what's Yount going to tell me? I mean, he's my favorite player, but I, I don't know that it's going to be that great of a conversation. Um the first guy I went with because he's a he's a walking talking encyclopedia of baseball everything. Um, the man worked in baseball for over sixty years to be Vince Scully. Um, I thought about him just. Yeah, I mean, just just for the longevity part, he he started with the Brooklyn Dodgers. He ends up with the L.A. Dodgers. He never leaves. He started in nineteen forty nine. He works till two thousand sixteen. He never leaves. Um, he saw everything. I mean, he saw Bobby Thompson's homer in 51. He saw the Gibson homer in 88. He saw uh, everything in between. He saw Oral Hershiser in, in 88 when he had like a 60-game scoreless streak. All that stuff. He saw everything. He saw every great player and every great team in the National League for a half decade. I mean, that's incredible. Um, a lot of people don't know he called NFL games on CBS in the 70s and early 80s. I didn't know that. Kind of interesting. I would be interested to know more about that. Like, sure. who'd you work with? What ga- like any famous games that you did? You know, did you ever work a Super Bowl? I don't. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so he he would be one. Uh, the other guy, I, I thought long and hard about this one. This was the hard one to come up with for me. I settled on Joe Torre. Okay. And I, I ran that by a couple people today, and they kind of looked at me like I was a little bit. Crazy for that, that but let me. That's what's reverberating in my mind right explain. now. Okay, so Joe Torre came into the majors in 1964, the Milwaukee Braves. Okay, played until uh, 1977, so he had a 17-year career in Milwaukee. Played with Aaron Matthews and Spahn. Okay, played on some great teams. Was here when they moved to Atlanta. I think all of that would be very interesting to know about. What were those guys like? What was the city of Milwaukee like? What was it like playing here? What was the feeling when you guys moved? Did you care? Was it a big deal? Um, were players pissed? I don't know. Um, he ends up playing for the Cardinals. He caught Bob Gibson, man. I mean, Tim McCarver tells the story of going out to see Bob Gibson once at the pitcher's mound, and Gibson said to him, what the fuck are you doing here? Get your ass behind the plate. If I want to talk to you, I'll tell you to come out. That's what it's like to catch Bob Gibson. And not only that, he's like maybe the filthiest pitcher ever. So that would be amazing to hear about. Um, He was an MVP uh, in an era of maybe the greatest era of catchers ever, especially in the National League. When If there's a National League catcher that's an MVP not named Johnny Bench, that's pretty impressive. Um, This is a good one. In 1977, his last year, he was on the Mets as a player manager. One of the last player managers in sports. I think that would be fascinating to know how that sure. worked. Did half the team like you and half the team hate you? They had if you didn't play them, they had to hate you, right? 
I mean, that that would just be fascinating to know. Um, he was a manager from 77 to 2010, won the four titles, went to six World Series with the Yankees. Obviously, the personalities in that, that era, uh, being there in 2001 for all the things that went around with the uh, with 9-11. Um, played in some epic World Series, or managed in some epic World Series, the one in 2001 against the Diamondbacks. Um Ends up going to the Dodgers and managing for them. So not only do you manage the Yankees, you also manage the Dodgers. And and before that, the Cardinals. I mean, kind of the three pillar yeah, for sure. franchises yep. in baseball. Um, and now he works in, in the, the in the front office for, for the commissioner doing some stuff. So just a fascinating overall career is, is kind of what I looked at with him. That's a lot of ground to cover. Yeah. If you only get an hour with him. Right, right. <laughs> Um, my basketball one was the toughest because there were so many players that I would have loved to talk to, but I, I just ended up omitting them all completely. Um, went with went with the coaching route, kind of to stick with the history thing. Um, the number one guy for me, without hesitation, is Pat Riley. Um, everything I've heard, he's a great interview, but you think you think Joe Torre's career is incredible. Uh, the movie Glory Road where uh, the all-black team from UTEP played Kentucky in the national championship game in 1966 and won. It was the first time an all-black starting five had ever won. Uh, Pat Riley was the best player on Kentucky in that game. He was the all-American player of the year in the SEC guy playing for Adolph Rupp, the notorious racist, against that team. Um, I I just find that to be very, very interesting. he had a 10-year NBA career. He was kind of a middling, low-level bench player. Um, he was on the Lakers for a couple years. He was on the 72 Lakers, played with Jerry West and Wilt. I mean, Wilt. I'm sure there would <laughs> be just – I'm yes. sure the stories would just be incredible. He played with Wilt for three years. So That's, You probably saw, in LA. saw some shit. Yeah, saw some shit. Um, so that, that would be fascinating in and of itself. After he retires, he becomes an assistant coach with the Lakers in the late 70s with Kareem. And then uh, in 1982, he gets the head coaching job for the Lakers and has Magic and Worthy and Kareem, and they take off. And just to be able to talk to him about that team, um, playing the Bird, McHale, Paris Celtics, and and the Isaiah Thomas bad boy Pistons in that run, that would be amazing to, to talk about. After that, he he has he goes to seven finals and wins four titles in, in uh, nine years. Not a bad run. Uh, he goes to coach the Knicks from 91 to 95, makes the finals uh, in 94. But in 91, 92, and 93, gets knocked out by Michael Jordan yes. in successive years. Leaves uh, the Knicks in kind of a kind of a little bit of a snake move and gets hired by Miami when they give him a piece of the ownership. So he becomes a head coach down there from 95 to 03, uh, where in, again in 96, he loses to Michael Jordan, and in 97, he again loses to Michael Jordan. So five of the six times Jordan won the title, he had to go through Pat Riley, and he did successfully. Um, and then Riley came back in, in 05 through 08, won the title with Wade and Shaq. He's been the Heat president um, since the mid-'90s, and he was the guy that was in the room and got LeBron. And there's a book out now called The Soul of Basketball that I'm currently reading that talks about those meetings. And I find it to be, like, the, the shit that goes on behind the scenes to get these free agents is incredible. It is incredible. The amount of pandering, the amount of things that they have to do for all the all the others 
oh, that are yeah. around them. Sure. It is unbelievable. But, I mean, in the ultimate balls-on-the-table move, the guy, Pat Riley, just comes in and just dumps 10 championship rings on the table and sits down. He's like, you want to learn how to win? <laughs> I mean, you want to talk about throwing it out. Wow. Just That's impressive. That's impressive. That's a ballsy move. The other guy, uh, Coach K, um, greatest college coach ever, played for Bob Knight. Well, can you imagine that? No. Ba- in the 60s, yeah. played for Bob Knight when Bob Knight could beat the shit out of you, literally. <laughs> right. Literally. He was, he was free to do that. But I, I would love to hear about that. You know, the early years at Duke, they tried to get him fired. I mean, he did not succeed like his first three, four years there. They, there were people at Duke that tried to get him fired. I mean, imagine that. Um, and then just, you know, building a program. Um, I mean, they went to uh, seven Final Fours in like an eight-year span in the 80s and 90s. Um, he coached on the he was on the original Dream Team staff. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got five national titles. All the guys in the pros. He was the coach of the men's team for like the last three, I think I think three um, Olympics. So just the, the the players he's been around, the stories, um, the rivalry with North Carolina going up against Dean Smith, and they did not like each other. That how how that worked back in the day with recruiting recruiting the same kids. Do you shit talk one guy so you can get the other? Um, I, 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 those two guys to me would, would be at the top of the list. I mean, you know, I'd love to sit down with Michael Jordan for an hour, but Michael Jordan ain't going to tell me nothing. No, You know, Magic Johnson, I'd love to sit there, but Magic Johnson might tell me some tall tales. Charles Barkley would talk straight nonsense and I'd laugh, but it'd be fun, but I wouldn't learn anything. I was going to say, what would you get? Nothing, nothing. The one guy I almost threw in was Bird. Um, cause Bird wouldn't sugarcoat it. He'd tell you the truth, but I didn't want to hear from a player because it's more fun when somebody else tells me how great that guy was sure. than when that guy tells me how great he was. You know, mm-hmm. it's the Russell Wilson approach. Let everybody else tell you how great he is. Sure, he'll I, he'll I, never I tell don't you. Need to do Let that. everybody else. Tell I understand you. that. All right. Well, those are those are actually very impressive. Yeah, it was um, kind of a fun thing. No, to, I like that. To sit down you and have do a lot every more once notes in a while. than I did, but that was that, that that was pretty darn good. I have more empty space in my brain though. So it's it's I, filled with all that nonsense. I I wish. I mean, the way that your mind and Michael's mind and a lot of people that I know that can just absorb all that information and just regurgitate it so easily, I, I'm I'm jealous of that <laughs> because I it's just not something that I can freely do. Um, but it's impressive when I hear people be able to, you know, wax poetic about all that stuff because it, it just makes me feel like I'm missing out and not appreciating and recalling some of the things that have passed by. Well, sometimes you just need people like me to remind you and, you know, I'm here for you and all the humanoids to do oh, that. And, that's a great line. You know, that's great. That's 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 what we're here for. All right. Well, that was a, that was a fun episode. All right. Of, so who, right. who you got? I can't. Come on. You got to no, pick. I can't. Why? Um. I will go with the Chiefs at home, and I just I don't see the Packers beating beating the Niners. I'm going Chiefs-Packers, so, man. All right. Uh, I'm sticking with my pick from the beginning of the playoffs. Packers are going to make the Super Bowl. All right. That is the— Finger, Fingers crossed. It's, well, I'm not. I'm just going to—I woke up yesterday with anxiety. I'm going to wake up on Sunday, and now we have to wait all day. With so much on the line, I'm going to be a mess. And, again, I probably won't get to sleep Sunday night until, like, 1030 like I did last night. That's just how it works. But that's also the beauty and the fun of it. True. Yep. So that's the intentional foul for this week. We thank you for listening, subscribing, downloading. You can find us wherever podcasts are found. Tell your friends. I'm Josh. Dan. 
Have a good week, and we will talk to you next time. Go Pack. No. No, I'm sorry. Can't do it. Can't do it. Go Bucks. <laughs>